Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how to be more productive by tapping into your ultradian rhythms. Then you'll learn about how hearing works and why it's important to protect even when you're young with help from author David Owen. Let's satisfy some curiosity. What's more effective? Working nonstop for five hours or working in three 90-minute intervals spaced out with 20-minute breaks? It might seem like that first option is best if you're one of those workers who skips lunch and doesn't leave your desk until five. But according to science, you'll be better off taking those breaks. It all comes down to our ultradian rhythms. Like circadian rhythms, ultradian rhythms refer to a sort of body clock that cycles regularly throughout our lives. But while circadian rhythms keep track of the 24-hour day-night cycle, ultradian rhythms roll in cycles that last between 90 and 120 minutes. During that time, your brainwave frequencies rise and fall. Basically, after you spend a long time concentrating on one task, your brain needs a break, so you get a natural lull in concentration every hour and a half to two hours. Studies have found that all sorts of things are affected by these cycles, like alertness and especially attention. A 1993 study by psychologist Anders Ericsson found that the best violinists all practiced in three 90-minute chunks with breaks in between. A 1995 study found that people generally maintain their sleep cycles after waking, as periodic sleepiness cycles. That's why experts swear by a rest-activity cycle that builds breaks into the workday. So now that you know it's backed by science and actually the more effective choice, it's time to start taking those 20-minute breaks. Try setting a timer for 90 minutes, and when the timer goes off, you get up. Take a walk, grab a snack, or maybe even just rest your eyes for a bit. Your brain could use the break. I started doing this, setting a 90-minute timer, especially when I work from home, because when I work from home, that's when I'm most notorious for rolling out of bed, heading over to my desk, sitting down at 9 a.m., and not getting up until, like, 2 in the afternoon. Yeah, and for people who tend to do that— I think this is a much better fix than some of these other productivity hacks like the Pomodoro technique where you just work in 25-minute chunks. That seems too short for me. I get really immersed and then suddenly the time's up and I'm, I'm out of it. Yeah, but long story short, you need a break. How often you take it is kind of up to you, but at least once every hour and a half or so. Yeah. You're never too young to start thinking about hearing loss. In fact, it's the things you do when you're young that'll determine how well you're able to hear when you get older. That's one of many lessons in David Owen's new book, Volume Control, Hearing in a Deafening World. David is a New Yorker staff writer and the author of more than a dozen books. And today he joins us to explain how hearing works and what happens when it stops working. Here's our conversation. So why should we care about our hearing as young people? Like I'm in my 30s, I'm not going deaf, am I? No, I think that people tend to think of uh, hearing loss as an old age problem, but it's really a lifelong problem. It's, a, it's an old people problem that starts with young people. So it's the, the exposures to sound throughout the course of your life, and very often the, the loudest sounds that you expose yourself to are when you're young. I know in my, own, uh, in, in my own life, it was the stuff I did when I was in my teens and 20s and 30s that has had the biggest impact on my hearing. It was the rock concerts I went to where we, my friends and I, we always sat in the front row you know, I'd go home, I'd lie down on the floor in my room and I had these big JBL speakers. I'd tip them together over my head and play 
music at full volume and I mowed lawns without hearing protection. I fired guns at, at summer camp. I used power tools when my wife and I bought our house. That's the, that's the cause of uh, the hearing difficulties that I have now. It's not stuff that I've done, you know, when I, when I turned 60. So it's a build up over time, basically. It's cumulative and it, and it tends to start young. Typically the, the sound exposures that people have that are the loudest occur when they're young. Cause that's when you're doing all the crazy stuff. So I think maybe to understand better how we lose our hearing, it might help to take a step back and kind of talk about how our ears turn sounds into signals that our brains can understand in the first place. Could you give like a kind of a quick 101 of basically how hearing works? But what sound is, is just fluctuations. It's vibrations. It's fluctuations in air pressure. And so, uh, you know, you, you pound your hand on the table and the table vibrates, those vibrations cause the air in the room to vibrate. And as those vibrations reach your ear, as these little pulses of air pressure reach your eardrum, they push on it, push, 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 push. And those vibrations are transferred across these tiny, the three tiniest bones in the human body to the inner ear, to the cochlea, which is, it's impossibly small. It's like, if you can picture a miniature chocolate chip, it's sort of what it looks like. It's a little bit bigger than that and kind of the same shape. And inside it, coiled inside it, are the, these tiny, tiny uh, membranes with t- even tinier, tinier cells on them that respond to different frequencies. Uh, ions from the fluid that surrounds them uh, enter into them and are turned into electric signals in nerves that go to the auditory centers of the brain, and, and that's what sound is. So it's these little, tiny, tiny pulses that go to the brain, and our ears are phenomenally sensitive. An MIT sound engineer that I talked to said that if you took a newborn child and put the child in a, what's called an anechoic chamber, which is a, a like a, a room that is completely sound insulated inside so that there's no reverberation whatsoever. It's a quiet, a much quieter place than any place, natural place on earth. He said that a, 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 a newborn could theoretically hear the collisions of air molecules. That's how sensitive our ears are. You know, the vibrations that our ears pick up, or can you measure them in trillionths of a meter. There are these impossibly tiny little fluctuations in air pressure. And at the other end of the scale, we can hear incredibly loud sounds that are you know, uh, trillions of times uh, as powerful as that, and, and, and our brain makes sense of them. But if we go too far up the scale, this incredibly delicate little machine with all these impossible moving parts uh, we can overwhelm it and, and break parts of it and break them in ways that, that they can't be fixed. So why is it that if I break my leg, it'll heal? Um, why is hearing not like that? Hearing doesn't. And it's the it's really the only, it's the unique among senses in doing that. If you, your tongue is constantly shedding and uh, recreating taste buds, but ears don't do that. The ears you, you are born with are the only ears you get. And all these tiny cells and tiny, tiny nerve connections inside this tiny, tiny, impossibly tiny uh, inner ear, uh, once they're gone, they're gone. So it pays to be careful uh, early on. I now carry a pair of musician's earplugs on my keychain, and I'll pop them in if I'm walking past some guys who are, uh, for example, using gasoline-powered leaf blowers to blow leaves from one person's yard into another person's yard or on a street in New York, if a, a fire engine or a, a, an ambulance goes by and I'm right there on the sidewalk, the, the siren is stuck in traffic, you know, 20 feet away. That's an incredibly loud sound, easily loud enough to do hearing damage. And it's terrible because it's, it, it, you know, one reason we take our ears for granted is that we don't really appreciate how important hearing is. 
Now, people used to ask Helen Keller, you know, which is worse, being deaf or being blind? And I think most people who can do both, who can both hear and see, assume that it would be much worse to be blind than it would to be deaf. And it's certainly what I always thought. But she always said that it, deafness by far was the worst disability for the reason that when you can't hear, if you could hear and you suddenly can't hear, you're cut off from other people. So it's, I think the one reason we're careless with our ears and expose ourselves to sounds that, that can potentially harm them is that we don't really appreciate how important this sense is to, to how we live in the world. Makes you think twice about blasting our podcast at full volume, doesn't it? Well, don't worry. David Owen will be back next Wednesday with some tips for what you can do to protect your ears, along with how you can avoid some of the most common causes of hearing damage. And if you can't wait that long, then feel free to pick up his new book, Volume Control, Hearing in a Deafening World. You can find a link to the book and more from David in today's show notes. So let's recap what we learned today so you remember all the important takeaways. Well, ultradian rhythms basically mean our brain needs a break every one and a half to two hours. So don't work for six hours straight. Take breaks. Have you ever been so engrossed in something that you're like, I've had to pee for the last hour and I just I just noticed it. Yeah, it's called every time I played video games until I was well today, actually. (laughs) Yeah, don't don't get to that point. I used to actually wonder, looking back on my years as a second and third grader playing video games, like, did me pushing through for several hours at a time and not going to the bathroom, like, is that going to have, like, long-term effects on my bladder or anything? Well, shoot, this, this sounds like a listener question to me. <laughs> <laughs> or, better yet, let's just not think about it. <laughs> sure. I'm fine with that. That fixes everything. Mm-hmm. But speaking of long-term damage... Hearing damage is not just an old person thing. It's a young person thing that adds up to become an old person thing. So when you're young is the time to protect your hearing. And this is a huge thing for me. Like David Owen, I carry musicians earplugs on my keychain. Everyone can get a pair. They're like 12 bucks online. They're just like a keychain. And they're good quality ones that don't just muffle all sound. You can actually still hear all of the frequencies. They're just lower. And so you just pop those things in when you're in a loud environment and nobody even notices. I mean, think of it like sunscreen, right? When you're young, you have to wear sunscreen because if you get burns, those burns can turn into skin cancer when you're older. Same thing with hearing. Just got to protect it. All right, well, I'm going to test this. I'm seeing Guns N' Roses at Wrigley Field. I'm telling you, you will enjoy it more with earplugs in because you won't be hurting. It's painful to be at a really loud concert. I don't think you've seen Guns N' Roses live. I don't care how painful it is. They're so good. Yeah, sure. They could be good like 10 decibels lower. And part of the reason it's so important is because once we lose that hearing, it's gone. Those cells don't regenerate. And then you'll never enjoy Guns N' Roses again. Okay, so now I'm convinced. (laughs) Today's first story was written by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Curiosity Daily is produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Curious.